0: On this week's episode of the Compete Everyday podcast, we are going to remind you why you can't do it all.
1: Every day is a competition against your pride, comfort zone, fear, complacency, snooze alarms, bad habits, bad relationships, and more.
0: That's right, we all have the desire to do everything, to do it all, but we can't really get everything done if we're constantly trying to do everything, right? I got the chance to sit down in this week's episode with Vice President of The One Thing, Jeff Woods. If you haven't read The One Thing, I'm linking to it in the show notes, and it should be one of your most important reads of 2019. It was our March book of the month in the Compete Everyday Book Club because it's so important for us to get a laser focus on what we're trying to accomplish. See, a lot of times in life, we have big goals for the year. 2019, we might list 15 or 20 different goals that we want to hit. The problem with that is there's only 24 hours in a day. There's only so much energy we have to hit these goals, to to focus on it. If we're trying to do everything... Many times we do a poor job of doing any of them. And so Jeff and I get into the discussion about the importance of the habits we practice. Why once we figure out who we want to be, where we want to be in life, why we have to take tiny steps every single day. We've got to figure out what that domino is, that tiny little domino, and start to knock it over each morning. Jeff's own journey is a very unique one because When Jeff heard the Jim Rohn quote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, he began to evaluate the people he was investing life with. Were these the people actually achieving the goals, the career, the life that he wanted? Or were they just good friends? Now Jeff makes a great point that he still maintains those friendships, but the nature of the relationship changed. Because if he was truly committed to a specific life, to achieving certain goals, to providing for his family in a specific way, he had to level up the amount of people he was investing time with. He had to level up who he was considering a mentor and people he was learning from. And so in today's conversation, you may very well be challenged to look at who you're spending life with. Who are you investing the most time with? Who are you going to time and time again to ask advice for? And are those the people you like? are those the people that are doing what you want to do, that have done what you're trying to do? So give that a careful careful thought and, and evaluate, is the life you're living right now, your daily choices, your daily actions, the things that you're doing to build on every single day, is it intentionally putting you closer to the competitor you want to be in life or not? Because if it's not putting you closer to the type of competitor you want to be in life, then it's ultimately putting you further away from that. So it's up to you, every single money, what you decide you're going to do with it. Before I bring Jeff onto the show, if you're starting to think about, oh my God, who are my five? Who are the people I'm spending a lot of time with? Who, who are the pages I'm following on Facebook and, and content I'm consuming? If you're starting to question a lot of that, I want to invite you to the free Facebook community at facebook.com groups slash compete every day. You'll find a few thousand competitors trying to build their mental resilience, trying to get better in their career, in their fitness and in their life every day. It's an open place, it's a safe place. We ask questions, we help each other. Uh, Every week there's opportunities to learn. To help you figure out perhaps a new solution to a challenge you continue to face every single day and most importantly, It's a group of people that are encouraging each other, celebrating every win, celebrating every step forward, and then continuing to push that we raise the bar, we raise the standard on what's acceptable. So if that sounds like something you need more of in your life, please jump into the Facebook community, get connected. As always, if you want to reach out to me or the show, shoot me an email to podcast at competeveryday.com. That's podcast at CompeteEveryday.com. If you have an idea for a show, if you have an idea for a guest, please share that feedback. We always appreciate it. And finally, if you've been listening to the show and you have not le- yet left us a review and rating, what are you waiting for? Do me a favor this week Help us out. If you go to podcast.competeeveryday.com, that's where you'll find all the shows. But on the top menu, you'll see an option under podcast where it says how to subscribe to the show. Click that. It'll share a step-by-step with pictures exactly how you can leave us a rating and review on iTunes so that other people can find the show. It's incredibly important to us that other people find value in this, and so if you are getting something out of this, whether it's encouragement, whether it's lessons, whether you're helping become a better competitor in life, please do me a favor, leave us a quick rating and review today, it's free, it's easy, and it does a big help for the show. Now, let me welcome to the show, Vice President of The One Thing, and one of the most focused people I've ever met, Jeff Woods. Jeff, welcome to the show this week.
2: Jake, pleasure to be here.
0: Dude, I'm glad to get connected. You and I obviously connected years ago uh, and then have k- continued to bump into each other. Uh, you've told your story a ton of times on podcasts and interviews. And so, for people that are interested in learning kind of how you got to the one thing, I'll have them and encourage them to go check out a few of your un- other interviews. But one of the things that that always struck me about your path and journey is the fact that you completely changed your network and the people you ran through life with, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is not an easy decision for a lot of people to have to cut certain people out of their lives or spend time, spend less time with them. (laughs) Mentally, how did you go about that transition to really almost level up your friendships, but tactfully get rid of those that weren't adding life to you?
2: Sure, sure. Well, it it starts with hearing the Jim Rohn quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I remember being in my kitchen, feeling very lost about life, where I wanted to be going. I knew I wasn't fulfilled. I knew I wanted more. I knew I was destined to wake up owning a massive business that made a massive impact and delivered real security for my family. And that wasn't my reality. And so I, I remember hearing that quote, And I looked down. I was wearing scrubs at the time because I just been uh, I was finished running through hospitals as a medical device sales rep through the day. And I thought, okay, well, who who are my five? Who are the five people I actually spend the most time with? And I wrote their names down. And I remember looking at the list, going, "These are amazing people. Like these are incredible friends, lifelong friends. I always want them to be in my life." And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. None of these people are living the life I want to be living. None of them are waking up. Owning a massive business that made a massive impact in the world and delivered real security for their family. And yet, these are the people I was going to for advice on how to leave a corporate job to start a big business. It just wasn't aligned. And it became very clear that, you know what, I can have these people in my life. They're going to serve a specific purpose. They're going to be my friends. They're not going to be my advisors. They're not going to be my mentors. They're not going to be my coaches. And that's okay. And I said, okay, it's, it's time to go and upgrade my five. So to answer your question directly, it's not that I had to cut those people out. I had to redefine the purpose of the relationship. Instead of just going to the people who were closest to me for everything, I now came to them with intention. Intentionally things I would go talk about and intentionally things I would not talk about. And then I had to go and find people who were owners of big businesses making a big impact and delivered real security for their family and figure out how I could bring value to them.
0: Well, and and so what you just said hit the nail on the head for me in terms of finding those people to bring value to them. I, I love that you illustrated that you didn't actually cut those people out of your life, you just changed the intention of the relationship and how you mm-hmm. went about them. Did that, from a social standpoint, how did that change your social settings, if any? <sighs> and then with this new intention, how was, how was your wife on board or how did you encourage her or bring her along to take that same intention?
2: Sure. Well, first, it, redefining what those relationships were with my friends, that did change things because I went from talking to some of these people every day or twice a day to once a week or once a month. And that, so there was some distance that was created there just because I was focusing elsewhere. And and that did create some tension at times, which that just required us to have different types of conversations with me, letting them know why there has been a shift. And it's not for a lack of love for them. It's like, they're, they're my boys. They're still in my world. And I'm over here focusing, taking action, trying to build a a, a business to take care of my family. Um, in ter- the second question was, how did I get my wife on
0: we're yeah, I, because obviously in any relationship, she has friends, you have friends. And when those dynamics between you and some of those friends change, those dynamics between her and some of those friends might change.
2: You know, that that wasn't the case for us. We didn't have mutual friends like that at the beginning. What she noticed, she knew because at the time, you know, my, we were really at rock bottom. My colleague had suffered a stroke at 35. 40% of our income had evaporated and things were getting hairy because we we're almost out of cash. And she saw my stroke. She saw how emotionally just devastated I was because I wasn't actually in control of my income as an employee. And so I, I was very clear with her, like, I have to surround myself with these people. I have to figure this out. So it was just, there was no stopping me. And she was on board with that. And when I started surrounding myself with people who were where I wanted to be, my mind started expanding so fast. I was just so excited. I was so energetic that she just, she was glad and she was along for the ride. So uh, the thing that I did That I would encourage anybody, if they're trying to move from employee to entrepreneur, is to have that conversation with your significant other. Because I told her, we are going to have to be willing to take a step back in terms of lifestyle, in terms of where we spend money, so that we can make these types of investments in building the business. And this is what the payoff is down the road. And I said, I need you in the boat rowing with me. If you're not in, it's not going to work. And she said,
0: I'm in. I love it. Uh, So take me back to that moment when you you just shared when you were at rock bottom and you were starting to make changes. I know you know the you've got the process now with the one thing of focusing on what's the one thing I can do now to make everything else on my list irrelevant or easier. But in that moment, did you have a similar mindset or, or what did you do to just take that first step when it was like all hell was breaking loose and you guys were at that bottom piece?
2: Yes. I was, I was less purposeful back then than I am now, knowing and living the principles of the one thing. At the time, I just knew I had to take action. And my thought was that I wanted to become a professional real estate investor. Like I wanted to raise capital, syndicate deals, take down big buildings. That's what I thought I wanted. And so I just started attending meetup groups and conferences and masterminds around real estate. And as a result of taking those actions, getting into relationship with those people and doing the work of how do you do due diligence on a building? What does it look like to raise capital? What does it look like to syndicate a deal? I became very clear that I had no business making that my business. (laughs) I always want to invest in real estate. I didn't want that to be my profession. And that is when I really felt lost because I'm going, holy crap, well, what do I want? And the only thing that felt right at the time was just keep surrounding yourself with people who are where you want to be down the road. Don't pay attention to industry, just open it up and approach with curiosity. And when I did that, all of a sudden I attracted these army, this army of mentors into my life that were really heavy hitters. And I started my first podcast, The Mentee, just to record those conversations. And as a result of having that podcast, I interviewed Jay Papazan, who co-authored The One Thing. And followed up and the relationship was built. And now I get to call him and Gary Keller a partner and I run the training company behind the book.
0: That's awesome. So Jeff, I know the answer to this question, but I'm not sure all of our listeners do yet. You are very open and transparent about documenting that journey Mm. through your podcast. What made you so willing to just share that story? Uh, Worrying A, if somebody's just gonna try to do the same thing you're doing. But two, just being that vulnerable in a medium like a podcast where you're just going to open up these conversations that you're having with people that are mentoring you or you're looking to add value to.
2: Yes. I remember when I was really lost, looking at all the people I thought I wanted to get into a relationship with, these big names and going, the only way to get in a relationship with them was to pay money like to join their mastermind or to hire them as a coach. And I didn't have it at the time. And I remember just thinking, if somebody would just be willing to take the chance on me, if somebody would just be willing to give me some guidance, I will take such massive action and I will be such an amazing case study for them. And uh, as I started to attract these people into my life, it was, I remember it was the night before an event, I was sitting outside the pool with some of the attendees and I was telling them who some of my mentors were and they were going, dude, you gotta be kidding me. You've got to record those conversations. You should make that a podcast. And I thought, well, that's a great idea. So that was the idea for the mentee originally. And as a result of having those conversations, it just I started to get the feedback that people said it's so real. I can't believe that you would record the conversation talking about the things that you're talking about. Like that is helping me so much. Thank you. And I, all of a sudden, I became very aware that vulnerability is true power. If I can pull the curtains back and talk about financial stresses, stress in my marriage. And to hear the real conversations and advice that I'm being given by my mentors, that will help so many people. And it's just scaled.
0: Yeah, no, and, and that's I think that's the beauty of, of your show. And obviously you have other podcast host now leading the mentee, but just the vulnerability because perfect doesn't really help anyone. The idea that this perfect, I've got it all together, that doesn't help anyone listening to the show. And so when you can have those transparent conversations, you can be honest about the struggles. And I mean, entrepreneurship is not sexy. Everybody thinks it is on social, but it's not sexy. It gives people hope that they're on the right path, even though their path may seem rocky and bumpy and ugly. That's correct. Uh, uh, So, how did you start to find the right mentors in your for business and for life? Who, how, where did you go about researching who mm-hmm. you wanted to start associating with?
2: It was it's it's a uh, my track record would tell you that I did really good at picking up breadcrumbs, just a trail of breadcrumbs. I remember showing up to a meetup and the guy who was kicking it off before he kicked off, he said, "Hey everybody, um, oh before I begin, forget me," like said these random two words and. Just moved on, and I went, Hold on, something just happened there, and I remember whipping out my iPad and googling it as fast as I could, and looking around and realizing nobody else was googling it. Everybody else was just sitting there and something and, and I looked, and it was this event where all these high level people came together with one purpose to invest a weekend together to enrich each other's lives, and it was application only, and I applied, and I got in, so that was one like one little breadcrumb that got dropped. In front of me that I picked up and all of a sudden I'm in the room with the guy who started to make a wish foundation the guy who invented email. I ended up meeting the guy who was Tony Robbins executive vice president of sales and literally grew and scaled Tony's company met the guy that ran Lee Steinberg Entertainment the movie Jerry Maguire was based on them in real life. All of a sudden I'm surrounded by these heavy hitters, because I was just in the room. And then it was a matter of building the relationship. So it was—it's it's incident after incident of when an opportunity was presented, I didn't just let it pass by. I explored it and I took action.
0: Did you have a list of characteristics or no? you didn't have anything that you were specifically looking for these type of people?
2: I wasn't that purposeful at this point. Knowing what I know now, based on the one thing, I would be far more purposeful. But all I had at that point was a lot of enthusiasm and a very, very big reason to take action. So So, I did
0: So knowing now what you would do differently, what, what are some things for listeners that you would tell them to be incredibly purposeful in finding that mentor?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, my favorite quote from The One Thing is from F.M. Alexander. People do not decide their futures. They decide their habits. And their habits decide their futures. People do not decide their futures. They decide their habits. And their habits decide their futures. If you, The purpose of a goal is not to achieve a result. The purpose of a goal is to be appropriate in the moment, to have a sense of what you want. In this case, if you want to be surrounded by mentors, who's the person you need to show up as in the world right now to absolutely be appropriate and aligned with that vision? So if I were to follow you around with a camera and if you were absolutely appropriate and aligned with your goal of surrounding yourself with great mentors, what would we see you do? What would your activities look like and how can you narrow it down to one thing that if you just did that one thing and made it a habit attracting mentors would be easier or unnecessary
0: i love it i love it all right jeff i do have another question for you about the one thing because that's the reason i wanted to have you on the show we chose it as our book club uh, for the compete everyday community this month and one of the things that always found fascinating about your journey when you started with the one thing was the slow adoption of truly embracing and living that. Because if I remember correctly, one of your first meetings with Gary and Jay, you had all of these different ideas and this is how it's going to work, work, work. And Gary's like, but what's the one thing? And you had to literally go back and cut it down to where it was a process uh, to embrace it.
2: Uh,
0: what was your day by day, just if looking back at it now, like what were the small steps you started to take to just start cutting away Everything except for the one thing.
2: Yeah. Well, it, that was, I'll, I'll tell that, I'll describe that exact meeting because that was a defining moment in my life. I will forever look back on that moment and know that everything changed after that. I knew that when I moved my family from Southern California to Austin, I had to prove that I could do three things exceptionally well in the first 90 days, or I was fired that's what we call a job description. The two to three things you have to do exceptionally well, otherwise you're fired. Not everything for the role. What are the two to three things that matter most that you got to do exceptionally well, otherwise you're fired. And for me, it was, I had to prove that I could cast a vision for the business. Cause if Gary and Jay had to do the thinking for me, they didn't need me. I had to prove that I could lead with revenue and I had to prove that I could recruit and retain amazing talent. And I had to do all that in 90 days. So we start with number one, I had to prove I could cast a vision. I had to create a business plan and get Gary Keller and Jay Papazan to sign off on this. Now, let's add a little perspective. My entire career, I've just been a sales guy. I sold copiers, then I sold medical devices. I've never been a CEO. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting down with Gary Keller, who started Keller Williams Realty, the largest real estate company in the world. He is the titan of the real estate industry. And I have to sit down with this guy who's created a multi-billion dollar company and sell him on my business plan and get them to say yes, or I'm fired. Slightly intimidating would be an understatement. So I walk into the, the boardroom, and I hand Gary and Jay each a copy of my one page business plan. We call it a GPS. And the reason the, the idea is that you have your entire business plan fits on one side of one page, because it's really tough to be on the same page if your plan doesn't fit on the same page. And I hand each of them a copy of it. There's a goal at the top. And then there were three priorities. The three things that if we just accomplish these things would make achieving the goal easier or unnecessary. That's the format. And so we started talking about number one. Gary and Jay asked a bunch of questions. I answered them. I said, we good? Yep. And so I move on to number two. And pretty quickly, Gary went back and asked more questions about number one. I remember Jake being in the back of my mind going, oh, he just must have forgotten something. And so I answer the questions. We good, Gary? Yeah, Jeff. Okay, I finish up number two, start talking about number three, and Gary goes back to number one. And at that point, I felt like and Stiller and Meet the Parents where Robert De Niro was like, you're not in the circle of trust. <laughs> I felt like I was not in the circle of trust. What was I not understanding? Why is he so obsessed with number one? I answered the questions. I said, are we good? He goes, yeah. So I go back to number three. I'm talking about it for no more than 10 seconds, and he stops me. He goes, Jeff, do you need to do number three? in order to do number two? I said, no. He said, do you need to do number two in order to do number one? I said, no. He said, then do me a favor. Draw a line between number one and number two, or even better, rip the page in half. He literally waited as I ripped my business plan along that line. And then he said something truly profound. He said, don't even think about number two or number three until you've earned the right to." by mastering number one. Here's what we now know from our online and our corporate trainings that we do, and just from me living it myself. We go through the day telling ourselves that we have to do it all. We look at all the things that are on our plate and we feel like we just have to move the ball on all of them. Yet, if you were to walk into Gary Keller's office, you would see on his desk a single sheet of paper and it's, there's writing in Sharpie, and it says, until my number one priority is done, everything else is a distraction. Until my number one priority is done, everything else is a distraction. At that moment, Jake, it was like I had been living my career in black and white and for the first time I saw in color. It wasn't that I needed to do everything. Success is not simultaneous, it's sequential. It's one thing at a time over time that leads to extraordinary results. I needed to have clarity on what my true one thing was. The one thing that would make everything else easier or unnecessary, and I had to move the ball on that first before I earned the right to do anything else.
0: Boom, wow, what a powerful experience that obviously has changed your mindset and life. Jeff, how old are your kids?
2: Daphne will be six coming up here in May, and my son Dean is three.
0: So on that note, I'm curious, how do you go about teaching them focus on the one thing oh, dude. as they're growing up?
2: Yeah, so um, my daughter, my it starts every night when I read to them and I put them to bed, I, I do affirmations after just to let certain things sink in their head, but Daphne, especially since she's six you know she's at an age that she can actually comprehend things and repeat things back i have ingrained so many things in her so for example i'm going to play this for you right now this is so good i recorded this the other day you're going to love this she's five five at the time consider this all right daphne say accountability
1: accountability means doing doing something when things don't go your way um you just you do something better what's the question you ask the question
0: you asked: what should I do better? Yeah. I love it. Are there activities that you do with her throughout the week and just asking her questions, or what are you doing to... Yeah, so this, 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 was, a, this was a
2: huge shift. Um, people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits. Their habits decide their futures. I remember looking at Gary Keller and asking, what habits did Gary Keller acquire? That made Gary Keller, Gary Keller. And he has truly mastered the ability to succeed through others. I mean, he can attract some of the top talent in the world into his world and they never need to leave. And so I go, well, what's the one thing he did that allowed him to do that? Well, he coaches people their possibilities when they might be fighting for their limitations. Well, what's the one thing he did to coach people their possibilities when they might be fighting for their limitations? He knows how to ask deadly questions, questions that are so big that when you get asked them, you just stop dead in your tracks and your mind expands okay, well, what's the one thing you can do to learn how to ask deadly questions? And I whittled it all the way down to the one thing, that two-inch little domino that just with the flick of a finger I could knock over, that if I did that over time would lead to me being that type of person? Could I ask one question a day when I naturally would have told? Could I ask one question a day when I naturally would have told? And I personally went on what we call a 66-day challenge. You take, it takes on average 66 days to form a habit. And so every day you do that one thing, you put a big X on your 66-day challenge calendar, which we have downloadable on the theonething.com. And pretty soon I became the type of person who started to ask questions instead of just telling people what to do. And the reason I share with this with you is because it spilled over into my family life. And I remember getting Daphne to go to bed was a real challenge. She just always fought and pushed back. I remember one night I was about to scream like Daphne go upstairs and instead I stopped and I went Jeff you need to ask a question and I looked at her and I went Daphne how you feeling right now and she went tired and I said well what's one thing you could do so you wouldn't be tired she said I could go to bed I went honey that's a great idea and she went okay daddy good night and walked straight upstairs and put herself to bed. I looked at my wife and I went, you got to be freaking kidding me. (laughs) So bringing this full circle with my children, just like in business, just like when I do corporate trainings, it's less about telling people what to do and more about asking them the right questions. We believe that leadership is teaching people how to think so they can get what they need when they need it. And the way you teach people to think, so they can get what they need when they need it, is you ask them questions so they figure it out on their own. And so now I just asked Daphne better questions. It happened this morning. She was yelling at us because we forgot her snack in her bag yesterday, and I looked at her and I asked a question. "Daphne, what would an accountable response be to that?" And she said, "I'd ask, "What can I do better?" And I said, "Great. How would you answer that?" And she said, "I'd put two snacks in my bag so I have an extra." And we said, "Well, what's one thing you should do right now then to make that happen?" And she said, "I'm going to go get an extra snack and I'm going to go put it in my bag." And she did it. It wasn't me telling her. It's not our fault. It's your job to pack your bag. Let herself discover it.
0: Man, such incredible advice and lessons that man we all need. As well as I know the parents listening are like, "Oh, that's a gold mine. I've got to try that." So I absolutely appreciate you sharing. Jeff, when we hopped on air, I know you guys are getting ready to kick off a new training program. Tell us how we can get better connected with you and the One Thing team uh, to be better focused in what we're trying to accomplish.
2: Yeah, so the, the one thing is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. It is every person who reads the book, listens to the podcast, goes through the trainings, always ends up going, wow, that is so simple. You know, And you know what you can do immediately to make everything else easier and necessary. And so we asked the question, well, how can everybody get what they need in one place? And that's the one thing.com. So if you go to the one thing.com, that's with the number one in the URL, that's where you will see the podcast. And if you click on the training tab, we're going through a relaunch of our training where we'll have free trainings there, everything that you need to get started with the basics for in under 15 minutes for free. We'll have foundational trainings that everything you need to truly begin implementing in under an hour. And then we'll have master courses where it really holds your hand over the course of time. You'll learn about the coaching, you'll learn about our corporate training and the events that we do.
0: That's awesome. And I know people that have gone through these programs. I know some that have worked with your team individually and with their team to be better Uh, business owners and more productive. So I can't encourage it enough uh, to check out everything they're doing at The One Thing. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show this week.
2: It's my pleasure, Jake. Thank you.